my next guest is um, an international bestseller, couples books, The Locker, and Gom Farrell owns one of the largest security companies in San Diego and is a Marine. Without further ado, Ted Nolte, how in the hell are you doing, buddy? I'm doing outstanding this morning. Thank you for having me on, Dustin. Yeah, you know, before we got on, actually, I think it's important to note how we met. Um, it, give some dialogue to kind of how we connected and how you're on this uh, on this show. We were at the 511 grand opening. Yeah. And uh, you were signing a book for a couple of cops, I think it was. Yeah, my books are pretty popular with law enforcement. And uh, and you walked up and you said, what is that book? And uh, I, I got you a copy then, right? You, you did. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, hey, yo, come over here. You know, because it intrigued me because I just see you signing this book. And I'm like, who who is this guy? Like now you, you piqued my curiosity and uh, you're like, well, hey, come on over here. And uh, you got a couple of books out of your car and gave them to me. Uh, or uh, you got one and then the other one came later at the VFW. And uh, then we just started chatting. And you, I was just like, wow, man, this guy is a interesting, interesting guy. And uh, had stories. What? But you didn't even tell me you were a Marine. It wasn't self-evident. I kind of talk like a Marine. Most of my, most people go, oh, yeah, he's a jarhead. I love the jarhead. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I knew you had something to do with like law enforcement or something thereof, but had no idea, you know, you were a Marine. Um, anyway, you kind of told me your story and told me a little about what you do and, and here you are today, you know? So, uh, again, thank you for coming on. Um, so how do you, how does, how do you start your morning, man? Oh, God, this morning I started off at 3 o'clock uh, in the morning uh, going down and investigating. Uh, we have a uh, – so my security company does high-risk security operations. Uh, we don't do regular stuff. We kind of specialize in uh, distressed commercial properties. So say you have a shopping center and some gang members move into your food court and they're dealing drugs out of the food court. Um, that's not something – uh, law enforcement response is somewhat reduced here in California. Um, so they, um, I'm the guy you call to come in and fix that. So we come in, I have, uh, my officers are trained to a much different, higher skill level. Um, and so we address the gang members and the drug dealers, uh, the drug users. Uh, we do transient mitigation um, and that kind of stuff. So currently there's a gang going around San Diego breaking into abandoned commercial buildings and they're stripping the copper uh, out of the ceilings and cutting the water pipes and cutting the backflow valves and they take it up to the recycling centers and they sell it. But they're taking these, you know, $20 million buildings and they're reducing them to worthless nothing. So uh, we've been chasing this group around. Uh, we got them last night um, at a, at a uh, site off of uh Mira Mesa Boulevard. What I mean, what group is, is this? Like gangs, like Bloods and Crips, or like you know, MS thirteen, no, or like this is just a guy, uh, two guys and a girl. They just drive around. They break into these buildings that are abandoned or have reduced occupancy. Um, after COVID, a lot of businesses shut down, so sure. a lot of commercial buildings will only have one or two tenants, or one or two suites out of twelve occupied. And the rest are all abandoned. And what they'll do is they'll break into one, 
and cut through the walls until they're into all of them. And sometimes they'll squat, they'll they'll live in there. Sometimes they're just in there to cut the wires out of the ceilings and the walls and take it and get their money that way. Copper wiring is the heavy dense cable is very, very um profitable for them to take to the recycling centers. Well, sure. I mean they're they're fueling a habit, probably a drug habit, right? Oh yeah. Like, like meth or heroin or ninety percent of it is meth. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's typically what they do, right? Easy targets, you know, low problems, right? Until they run into you. And then, and then now it's uh, a high risk and a high problem. <laughs> <laughs> we, we discuss their decisions in life. Yeah. So. <laughs> right. right. So you finally got them. How long did it take you to get them? Uh, we've been working this for three weeks, but this site, uh, it was their past MO uh, has been, they come back night after night after night because no. they can't get it all in one run. So sure. they had broken in Friday night. We took the report Saturday. And then uh, last night they broke in again. We At nine o'clock, we resecured the property. And then um, at three o'clock in the morning, we we wound up catching them again on the breaking into the property. Wow. So just, Wait, oh, oh, so you've, you've caught these people twice? No, the first we we discovered the crime. Oh, okay. Catch them on site, and actually, it was a very alert San Diego police officer who caught them uh, coming off of an adjacent property, coming towards our property, and so we were able to connect the dots. And uh, uh, man, talk about some proactive uh, policing right there. Trying to. Get, get on that officer. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, you guys too. I mean, because obviously you're putting yourself at risk. You know, when you're because you're not you're not a uh, Paul, Paul Blart, mall cop, you know, I'm <laughs> uh, pretty close. I'm Barney five security. You're Barney five security. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, no, but I'm, I'm a Barney five security. Who's a prior SWAT officer used to run the hostage rescue team. But, we're going to get to that. You yeah. hold that thought. Okay. We're not there yet. Yeah. You know, we can't give the climax this right at the beginning. Right. We're not a three minute show here. <laughs> okay. Um, So you'd normally, do you normally get up at three o'clock in the morning or do you usually kind of, God, no. Meander around a little bit, or you're up by like six, seven, and I'm drinking, drinking coffee. Really good coffee. Usually, I'm I'm a coffee guy in the morning, so I'm usually up drinking your coffee uh, about seven, between seven and nine. I get my head straight, get on the computer, do my administrative stuff yeah. uh, for my business. Um, if I have a little bit of downtime, I'll write. Um, you know, I'll write in my novels that I wait. Have are, are you have more novels coming out? I do. I have several in the pipeline right now. One's in editing. Um, so I have a couple more. I have seven published works right now. Uh, seven? Seven novels, yes. So either novels that I contributed to or wrote entirely myself. Um, and then I have some poetry that's out there that I publish on a pretty regular basis. And most of the... Give, give me a, give me some lines on poetry, man. Hit me, hit me with some... Oh, I'm gonna have to call. I can't. You're, you're asking. Oh, okay, me, all right. No, I didn't listen. Poetry. I get it, man. That's too you're much. gonna pull my man card. I'm gonna read poetry. <laughs> yeah. I'm supposed to be a no, badass. I'm, you're gonna get I, my I, man card right at the beginning. I just look bad. No, man. I mean, I was, I was expecting you know, hit me with some beautiful flowers. Like you're gonna say it to some words, and I was gonna be able to smell it through the microphone, man. I was, I was ready I for I it. Have, you were primely. Uh, <laughs> uh, I won the American Poet Society Award two years ago. Uh, for a poem I wrote called uh, "Those Days," and um, and I, you know, I'll uh, I'll actually uh, pull it up for you and and read it to you in a, in a okay. little bit. But it's called "Those Days," and it's uh, 
Um, it was kind of my spin. I, I, I'm not really a poet. I, I like writing. I like writing actually, but, but I write poetry is actually a release for me, you know, and they have, they have a saying, a warrior poet, right? Um, so I, I've written a lot of my poems have been about the struggles I've had as a husband or that I've seen on the street, you know, with all the riots and stuff that happened a few years ago. Um, it inspired me to take a look at you know, where is society going? What is happening? So I wrote this poem. Um, I was approached by a couple of uh, producers. Um, uh, there's a, a, a bunch of the jewelry stores on Saks Fifth Avenue, Fifth Avenue in New York, all the jewelry um, gallerias um, were buying my poetry and they would uh, attribute my poetry to certain um, works of art, uh, jewelry, one-off pieces and stuff like that. So um, so I did, I sold that and poetry pays. They, really? It is amazing what they will, one poem, the rights to one poem, they'll cut you a check for half a million bucks. What, so wait a minute. You did this as a, really a source for therapy, a way of therapeutic writing for you and thinking is, and that's therapeutic for you. Yeah. And it be actually kind of turned into a, a, a business, so to speak, right? Well, yeah, not a business, I, but like that one poem you wrote, the Warriors Poet, and it just went. Yeah, it just gangbusters, it went huh? Crazy, it, you know. Uh, so I think my problem is I'm I'm not a very good writer, but I'm a pretty good storyteller. I, you know, everybody tells me, you know, yeah, Ted, your writing is kind of. <laughs> there is a difference. There yeah, is yeah, a huge difference. You know, so somebody who can write, they can have perfect grammar and spelling and punctuation, but their material comes out dry. And then there's a Yahoo like me who, you know, gets a story going and people are like, oh, my God, I could, you know, uh, cops all the time. They read my book, The Locker, and they go, I could totally see how that happened, you know. And The Locker is, you know, I took uh, during my career, I was involved in six gunfight shootouts. And in, so I wrote in your law enforcement career, my law enforcement and military career. Yes. So um, okay. I was involved in a couple of of uh, of lethal force incidents. Um, and so I took those, I kind of fictionalized them a little bit. The names were changed to protect sure. the innocent yeah. and I stuck them in the book and people, you know, other cops, they read it and they go, and they go, that's totally legit. I totally get how that happened. I see, I, you know, they're able to visualize from my storytelling, even though I write like a third grader, most of my words are four letters or less, <laughs> you know, I'm an idiot. And, uh, yeah. So, At least we uh, could be on the same page with that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like when I'm here talking to a writer, I'm like, oh my God, I hope my grammar is good. And you know what? I take comfort in knowing that you can publish books and not, and uh, Grammarly is my friend. I, if oh, without Grammarly, oh, people are like, who is this guy trying to write a damn sentence? Cause I am a little slow with that. Um, oh yeah. So how, where'd you grow up at? You didn't grow up here in San Diego, did you? I did. So, well, I grew up all over the world. Um, my dad was a Marine. Um, his father was a Marine. His father was a Marine. We have a huge history within the Marine Corps. Um, my great-grandfather is one of the most decorated Marines in World War I. Um, he received the Navy Cross. Then he went on in World War II to receive two silver stars, a bronze star. Um, my uncle, Hubert Nolte, received a silver star in the hedgerows uh, after D-Day, um, uh, for taking out an artillery emplacement by himself. Um, so I have this huge line of heroes that all feed down to me. My mother 
On my mother's side, her grandfather was Baron Ritter von Toma. My mom's name is Toma, last name is Toma. He was Rommel's second in command in North Africa. And most of his success during the Africa campaign was actually due to my great-grandfather. Rommel fled Africa after the Enigma Code was broken, <coughs> excuse me, and after El Alamein. But if you ever look up um, Baron Ritter von Toma, so I'm a Baron, I'm a German Baron. Um, I'm the grandson of Ritter von Toma. And um, his son uh, was Merlin Toma, who was an army, uh, was in the Army Air Corps and actually volunteered and went over and dropped bombs on his own father in, in North Africa. And what? um yeah, so and he was he was just a fireplug beast of a guy. He was just incredible. Did he know that he was dropping bombs on his own dad? Yes. He had immigrated from Germany prior to World War II to America. And then once Japan in uh bombed Pearl Harbor, he volunteered for service, thinking he was gonna go fight Japanese, and they made him a flying sergeant. So um the flying sergeant program in World War II was rated pilots like if you were already a pilot but you didn't have a college degree they would take you make you an e5 right away and you would start flying as a co-pilot either in bombers or transport aircraft or anything like that and um so he and next thing he knows he's in north africa dropping bombs on his own dad literally in the same battle holy um, which is kind of crazy and then his daughter his oldest daughter is my mother pam and um, she joined the Marine Corps. She was the intramural Marine Corps judo champ uh, for the Marine Corps. So she was, I started off, I grew up in a dojo. Uh, my mom was this incredible black, my mom was Ronda Rousey 40 years ago. Wow. Was, she's, and she, so in fact, my parents met in a bar fight outside of the back gate at Camp Pendleton. <laughs> no way. <laughs> and this guy was trying to pick a fight with my dad, and my mom came over and just kung fu the holy hell out of him. My dad's, well, thank you, I think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and my mom, my, you know, she thought my dad was the most handsome guy that ever walked the face of the earth, which I obviously didn't get anything from, but anyways, Oh, come on, she, man, you're not giving yourself credit. So she just totally uh, uh, hit on my dad, and three months later, um, and clarify, she wasn't jujitsu in his ass or kung fuing. It was, you know, the banter kind. Okay, right? <laughs> no, no. So no, no. The guy that was going after my dad in this bar fight, my dad stepped around the table to avoid it. My dad had just come back from Vietnam. He had done. My father did uh, three tours in Vietnam. Um, had worked his way up to. He was a staff sergeant, a platoon sergeant for a company. They brought him back and they commissioned him and made him an officer. And then he went back to Vietnam, where he attempted to conquer the entire country by himself. Um, and there's a huge story in that. My 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 father was the epitome of the Marine Corps badass. Half of Camp Pendleton is named after my dad. The Thomas G. Nolte mortar pit area, the Thomas G. Nolte machine gun range, the John S. McNulty, which is his grandfather, uh, machine gun uh, training area. My dad was an infantry Marine from the day he was born, marksmanship instructor, had completed sniper school. Yeah, I mean, my dad was the wow. Marine's Marine. Um, and um, I'm writing a book about my family right now called Blue Eyes. Um, we all have blue eyes. And um, it, it details um, everything from my, so my great-grandfather, Baron Ritter von Toma, had actually received the Knight's Cross twice. That's like their Medal of Honor. Wow. He received two of them. 
um, during his career. And when he was captured at the Battle of El Alamein, um, they took him to General Montgomery's headquarters, and then he was transferred to England. And when he was, so he's a three-star general. He was the highest-ranking general to ever be captured in war, modern warfare. Winston Churchill comes to visit him, and he and Winston Churchill became best friends. And Winston Churchill would visit him every Thursday night at the POW camp. They would play chess. And again, you can look this all up on Wikipedia, Wikilinks, or whatever. Um, Winston Churchill, at the end of World War II, um, one of them said, you know, you were so inspiring to us. And where did you come up with your material? And Winston Churchill said, most of the quotes that I gave you came from my best friend, Baron Ritter von Toma. So all these speeches that he was given. And so, and he hated, my, my great-grandfather hated Hitler, just could not yep. stand him. Uh, but he was loyal to Germany. He was sure. German through and through. So, uh, but, and he did fight for the Nazis, but he was not a huge fan of Hitler. Well, I mean, most of them weren't a huge fan, right? No, but they love Germany. So, yeah. and, um, but he he was able to give me a lot of dirt on Rommel and the way things actually occurred. Why Rommel went back, and um, I don't know if you. They say Rommel committed suicide. It was kind of a he was given the choice: either we're going to take you out and shoot you against the wall, or you can, you know, take the the honorable way out. But um, yeah, Rommel fled North Africa. So, and it just a, and this is what's fun about writing is all the research that you get to do and the things that you discover and find out. And uh, it makes writing, it, it really does make writing books for people a joy. And the show wouldn't be made possible without our sponsors, Red, White, and Badass Brew, and Go Man Go Productions. That's crazy. Your your family lineage is is insane, man. I mean, oh, on yeah. both sides, it seems yeah, like and your side little, and your wife's side. Compared to you know these huge. Uh, so in the front of my book, the locker. If you look, I listed my military heritage on my on my father's side. And, wow. Uh, and um, and like I said, and probably the most badass out of all of them was my mother. I mean, she, my my mother could clear a bar. She was the. Just, she was fierce. So when you grew up, did you grow up with a lot of discipline in the house? I mean, because your dad being a, you know, Vietnam vet, you know, going over there, seeing probably a lot of shit over there and yes. been in a lot of shit. You know, I mean. And my that, mother. And, and it, your mother. I mean. It, my mother, my mother being, never, ever had to say, wait till your father gets home. It, it, so, you. <laughs> so one of her, so I always grew up at the edge of the mat. When my mother taught, wherever we lived, we followed my dad around to all the military bases. And wherever we went, my mom would always work at the MW, the Moral Welfare Recreation Office. Uh -huh. She would teach judo at night to people. And so my sister and I grew up at the edge of the mat. And of course, we studied judo. We had no choice. We studied right. judo, multiple martial arts, but um, between Brazilian jiu-jitsu, judo, and taekwondo, which were my big things, you know, I was into martial arts since I was a little kid, and um, which is good. I never got in a fight in high school. You know, I was that quiet guy, and you know, there was always the bully that was talking stuff, but nobody ever laid a hand on me, kind of thing. And yep. um, but it was it was so incredibly awesome um, because I the structure that I had martial arts has literally saved my life a dozen times. Sure. Um, but I was that kid in the morning. I had to, my dad, we had to open up our lunchbox, show that our lunch was packed. We had to have our homework 
laid out. And the teacher, I had to, every Friday, I had to go to the teacher. If I wanted to party on Friday nights all the way through high school, I had to, I had to bring home a sheet that was signed off, right? And I'm one of those guys, I can pencil whip homework in two minutes. And I'm a really good test taker. Other than that, I did not pay attention in school. I was way too busy chasing the teacher's daughter and yeah. whatever. I was, <laughs> I was drinking oh, beer and were, chasing were you, were you a little partier man, ladies man? I was. I was yeah. really bad all the way through college. It took me seven years, and I kept trying to convince the college to give me a degree in beer drinking and women chasing. I don't know why that should, that should be a degree. I mean, that's those are life skills. I mean, I mean fuck, they have an arts degree, right? Yeah. They should have a fucking beer pong and that's right. women chasing, right? That's right. You know? Teach people how to, you know, home economics. Everybody was kind of down on home economics was probably the best thing. They taught you how to at least cook a meal, balance a checkbook, you know, change a tire. Wait, you actually <laughs> paid attention in home economics? I, I didn't pay attention. I was only in home and ec- economics for one reason and one reason only. 96% of them were women. And I yes. was like, you know what? How do I get in there? Oh, my God. And Miss Snyder was... Everybody thought she was the most evil, evil, wicked teacher in Coronado. But all you had to do was be nice with her and do your stuff, you know, and it was great. And you're right. There was just a metric ton of women in there, you know. So, you know, you're not going to get happy going into the wood shop. Very few girls. Very few girls, man. Sweaty guys, you know. Yeah, tons of wood. Yeah, just hardwood everywhere in the wood shop. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's like uh, a sports car. You know, you're driving along, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get girls. I'm going to get girls. And Every single guy in the world is pulling up going, oh, dude, nice Ferrari. It's like, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to your girlfriend. I don't want to talk to you. Wait wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You had a Ferrari in high school? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm saying. Okay, all right, all right, all right. No, 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 I had MG. I had a really, I had a convertible MG. I don't even know what the hell that is, man. Morris car, a little bit sports car. You know, I have to look it up. Uh, Actually, you know, what's it called? Uh, MG. MG. I'm gonna look that up right now. MG car. MGC. It, whoa, no way. That's what I drove all through high school. Really? Yep. Okay. Okay. That's that's pretty freaking cool. A little cool. two seater. Yeah. But dude, you don't need a third bait. You don't need a fucking third wheel. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, that you got the right car, man. You got yeah, it was perfect I mean, for submarine races. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you go out parked by the beach. And watch the submarines race. I, oh, man, I wish I I wish I had something that cool, man. My first car was a 1979 Delta 88. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. A boat, man. Yeah. A boat. Oh, yeah. No, hey, but, you know what? I love that car, man. I, I took that car off-roading and beat the shit out of it. And my dad bought it for $300. And it was red, but it's been sitting in the sun so long. Like, you put your hand on it, you get like a, like a, you know, like the powdery red on it. You know, like, you wash it off. It's just like a red stream going down your driveway. <laughs> and it had a white vinyl top, but it was like yellowish tint because it's been sitting in the sun. Which actually was kind of crazy. It didn't even wasn't even cracked. And then uh, yeah, I I don't even know how. I mean, that's when they made shit to last, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So they uh, uh, and then the deer hit it on the side, so one of the headlights would shine like a spotlight up in the trees. <laughs> you know. So I drove around like that until for a while until I got a, a front clip and I got a white front clip to match the white vinyl top. Uh-huh. I mean, the ugliest fucking car, but the most comfortableest car. And probably one of the fun, funnest things to drive. That's where I learned how to drive in that car. My dad taught me how to drive in that See, car. And here's the difference around. between your car and my car. My car, you can't get 
you can't have sex in it. You can have sex right afterwards, but you can't. So you can't have sex in it. But your car, so uh, we had adult, uh, an old Delta 88 as well. And I got caught several times using that at the submarine races because that was a lot more conducive to cuddling with the honeys. Oh, absolutely. Dude, I had a rule in my car. If you were a girl, you had to go topless. Okay, fucking somebody's out there going to say, what a chauvinistic pig. You're fucking right. <laughs> I was a chauvinistic pig in high school. I mean, I was a fucking kid going through adolescence, and I was fucking off in school. Like, I only had my mind on two things, and I'm only going to say one, women. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, uh, you know, Coronado was actually kind of boring. So I grew up on the island after... Uh, Coronado uh, here in San Diego was here boring. Here in San Diego, yeah. So we moved there when I was in fifth grade, and that was the last time we... I didn't move again until after I graduated high school and moved away. Um, but Coronado is two miles square, and you have not that, you know, the the uh, beautiful women, the women at Coronado mm -hmm. High School, I swear to God, they had some genetic code that they had to meet because the, yeah, the women in Coronado were just beautiful. Um, so too beautiful for me. I only I only dated a couple of them. But I, I, I had some great girlfriends. But um, but there's not a lot to do on the island, you know? So you go to the beach, you're down making out, you go to the beach during the day, you surf, and Coronado is a south-facing beach, so it's kind of, it walls out. The, the surf's not that good. Or you're over on the bay side, you're sailing, you know, boating, doing something like that. So you're on the beach in the mornings, you do your stuff, you know, go to school. We would go surfing in the morning, go to school, you know, get done. I was, I was, I've always been a worker. So I always had work after school. I, I was either doing my lawn business, you know, mowing people's lawns, um, or else I worked at both of the pharmacies on the island delivering drugs. I had a moped. <laughs> And I would deliver the afternoon's drugs to the to the people around the island. So. All right. I didn't know it was legal to peddle drugs. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, like, that's crazy to think back in the day, you know, you don't look like a day over 35. So, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm coming up on 60 here. Get so. the fuck out of here. Really? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know what skin cream you're using, man. You know, like. Bourbon. So I use. <laughs> I, so you know how you put bourbon in your coffee? Yeah. I put bourbon in face cream, and then that's what I use. Do you really? Seriously. Yeah. Old Jarhead taught me that trick. Not fucking pull it. Wow. Okay. Bourbon. I'm going to have bourbon. to, yeah. I mean, is there like a, a specific kind? Because I'm a Maker's and maker uh, maker's Mark kind of guy. Put but, the, and put it in, and you, and just a little bit. Yeah. But you'll have girls leaning in and go, what is that? What is that? What? I'm, yeah. I'm going to have to try it, man. That's, you know. Uh, bourbon and face cream. I'm gonna have to try that. Actually, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna, man, you're dropping me some knowledge today. I like this. I like this. Wow. So no, you've been so sunburned and yes. tore up, and you know, I used to. We used to have to carry our. We call them IBS. They're inflatable boats, small. We call them itty bitty ships, and we carry them on our heads, and it would rub raw spots, and then I would get sunburn in it, and that's why I've had to go in multiple times for skin cancer on my head because we would just tear up this our scalps, and then sure, you know, so sure. So yeah. you, uh, high school man, Coronado, a lot of fun. Your MG car, man, cruising around, you know, picking yeah. up the ladies. So but no Nookie in that car. Coronado did not have a wrestling team. So I actually went down and wrestled for Marion High School, which is down in Imperial Beach. Really? Uh, we didn't have a wrestling team, so I had to have an intramural transfer to go down to Imperial Beach to wrestle. And then I wound up hooking up with a, a private coach 
and I wrestled and did martial traveled and did martial arts on the side. You know what's fucking crazy is the Olympics got rid of wrestling. Yeah, like, well, what the fuck? And then they're like, badminton's a sport. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. What is that? Curling? Yeah, it's curling. Stone and curling. You know, what the fuck? Not, like, I'm not saying, that's just not quite the athletic mm, challenge. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm like, I'm watching curling, and at no point ever in my life sat there and said, I should probably find the club for curling. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, what the boy, fuck? Boy, I bet you that got his heart rate up. He probably, that probably got his heart rate up over 55. Yeah, you, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah so. I mean, like, like, these guys are not in the gym, hitting the weights, you know, getting a real technique. I mean, fucking a broom. I mean, they a got broom. a damn broom, man. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the fuck now, See, now, you know what? Now I'm going to have some guy walk up and slug me in a shop. I'll be doing a book signing somewhere, and some guy go, I heard you don't like curling. And, you know, start smacking me. I'm like, no, no, no. And then you'd be like, well, shit, you punch like you handle a fucking broom, sissy. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I understand why you didn't take wrestling now. I get it. I get it. <laughs> you know, exactly. You know, you know, thank you for the jaw massage. <laughs> Oh shit, man. That's funny. Uh so you went uh so you graduated high school, I take it? And then I did. So I graduated. So you high didn't school. go right into the Marines then? No. So when I I went to Northern Arizona University, probably the best school. Wait, Four hold on. Northern Arizona, isn't that a party school? That is a total party school. And I was in the Kappa Sigma fraternity. All right. Oh fuck. So there was I mean, if you're a swordsman, if you know what I mean by that term, you could slay it. And there was girls. Four and a half girls to every guy. That was the most target-rich environment I've ever been what? in my life. Northern mm. Arizona had so many women, so many gorgeous girls. Just they had some not so. And yeah. there's a lot of liberals up there. There's some tree huggers. So we had the, the <laughs> hairy armpits and the hairy legs. Hold on, hold on, Ted. I have to say this. We got a uh, trigger warning coming up. So if you're easily triggered, you might want to mute your headphones or your car. <laughs> You know, and go take a, a hippy dippy break. Um, go ahead. So uh, there's fucking tree huggers everywhere. So there was, you know, but you know, they, hey, women are beautiful. I don't care, you know, as long as you're not pushing Wookiee status, you know, <laughs> I, women are women are gorgeous in all their forms, you know, and they're and they're incredibly entertaining. Sure. The stuff that comes out of their mouth, you know, guys think linearly, women think circularly, and you know, so I and I find the human condition incredibly entertaining. So yeah. Absolutely. And I love, so, I love liberals. I love tree herders, man, because I mean, there's a good, good in all. My first wife was, is very liberal. She was. Uh, wait, you know, hold on. You're for, okay. We're going to get there. We're going to, we're going to get there. <laughs> like we're cause now, cause you're not liberal. You're not a liberal guy, man. You're, I'm the most conservative. I'm the most law enforcement. You know, I, I saw some really bad stuff during my law enforcement career. I saw. Well, hold on. We're not getting there yet, sir. Uh, yeah. We're not going there. You're so, jumping ahead of the gun. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, so I you, go to Northern Arizona University. I went through on a wrestling scholarship. I, I wrestled freestyle. Um, NAU picked me up. Um, I got there my very first year, and they canceled the wrestling program. So, and it was only a partial scholarship. Oh. So I went in. Um, I was going to do the Marine Corps officer program, um, but that got shut down for reasons that I can't go into. So I went into Army ROTC, and I did three and a half years Army ROTC had just established some incredible uh, friends. Some of my friends went on uh, to distinguish themselves in Mogadishu. 
the Black Hawk Down thing, um, I had some incredibly um, just, they were some, they produced some really good sure. uh, officers <laughs> out of that program. Um, the, the professor of military science up there was a great guy. Uh, Sergeant Major uh, Robbie Robertson, who was the uh, the staff NCIC, um, was awesome. Mass Sergeant Level, those those guys were true. These guys, Green Berets, you yeah. know, and they they're at the end of their career and they're passing on incredible knowledge to us, and they were just phenomenal. So I did that. Um, I finished my ROTC, but I wasn't done with school. I was a dual major, dual minor. So I say that I majored in beer drinking women, but yeah. I was actually pursuing two majors and two minors. So it took me seven years to get through the program and get it done. Um, so you're, you're like uh, the, what's that movie? Van Wilder. You ever yes. seen it? Yeah. I am very Reynolds. close to Van Wilder. Ryan yeah. Reynolds, poor guy, to have me compared to him. But <laughs> so, uh, uh, and, uh, but, uh, so I did, I was, stu I was studying everything. And my problem is I went to college and I only wanted to study what I want, what I thought was interesting. So my degree is in biology. So um, specifically herpetology. Ever since I was a kid, All right. I'm fascinated by what, snakes. What's herpetology, man? I don't even know herpetology. what that is. Oh, okay. Okay. So I've always thought snakes were just the coolest thing in the world. I thought King Kong. My dad came back from Vietnam and he had a stuffed mongoose that had this king cobra wrapped around it and the king cobra's head's over here. And this, I grew up, so I'm like four years old and I grew up with this king cobra and this mongoose right above me doing this thing. And I'm like, I mean, so I, I always thought snakes were cool. Um, so I, uh, um, I did that. My graduate thesis was on um, venomous reptiles in Florida. Um, and then I did a marine biology internship at SeaWorld here in San Diego because I got to come home, stay at home. I saved money on it and stuff. So I, so biology um, and criminal justice were my majors. And then my minors were physical education because of the martial arts uh -huh. and psychology. And um, so I- wait, wait, they had a minor in physical, what's P, it called? P, physical education. Physical education, what? Really? Yes, and you, so you say you're gonna be a teacher. How many, how many high schools have you gone to where the PE coach was also the English teacher? Come on, uh, or the social studies teacher, or the whatever. Mm, no, no, no. So usually, and so I grew up in Yukon, Oklahoma. Okay. And our physical education teachers were a coach of a sport. Yeah. So they were a football, a wrestling coach, a basketball coach, a track coach. Uh, well, something if you want that. to be a teacher coach slash coach, you can get uh, any. You had a minor for physical education, so I signed up. And oh, that just, I got to go to the gym, the gym and hang out. I got to, I, I was always working because I was there with the wrestling team. I was sure. always working out with the football guys. <clears throat> we had, so NAU had, uh, back in the day, they had what was called SAC, South Activity Campus. And so they had a dorm just for athletes. So all of us were all down at SAC. And and so it was all football players. I, I can only imagine, you know, no ruckus fucking going on over there. Huh? Oh, I would, yeah. <laughs> You know, that's, that's one thing that, you know, I try to push <laughs> on my kids is like, listen, I don't really care about the education you get in college. I, I kind of think it's half worthless actually, you know, and the only reason I'm pushing it is because, well, we serve. So they get to go for free. There we go. You know what I mean? So they're not going to come out of school with debt and they can go in there and build that network and have those opportunities and have those experiences. And that's what I try to tell them is like, listen, 
I didn't get those experiences because I was a dipshit. And I go, I, if I go, I don't really regret a lot in my life and especially where it's gone and where I'm at now, but I want you guys to have these experiences because when you hear these stories and hear these people talk about it, you have that relatability with it and you're building a network because your network is your net worth. I yes. think, you know, I think that's a huge thing, a huge thing. So, but my two of my older kids are like, fuck, I ain't going to college. I was like, man, okay, fuck it. You do what you want to do. I get it. Well, that, so but, my son approached me and he was upset and he said, you know, dad, mom wants me to study this and get a degree in this and and he goes and i really want but i really want to learn chinese i said so go take chinese and he goes well what do you want me to do and i said i want you to be happy and he goes no no no. what do you want me to do for school and i said i want you to be happy and he goes i don't think you understand the question and i said i don't think you understand the answer i said i don't care my dad told me i don't care if you sell pencils on a street corner if that's what makes you happy that's what you should do don't come to me complaining that you can't afford a 27 bedroom mansion because you're not making enough money selling pencils on the street corner. If, if the mansion is what makes you happy, then you need to do something that gets you to that point. But if what you want to do is sell pencils on a street corner, go do it. And he goes, he goes, yeah, but I want to study Chinese and they don't have it. I said, then study Chinese. Do you want to be an interpreter? Do you, and he goes, no, I just want to learn it. And I said, then go learn it. And he goes, well, it's college and it's going to set me back a semester. I said, I don't care. You know, I'm rich. I'll pay for your college. I told him, as long as you go to school, attend the classes, and get decent grades, I don't care if you go to college for the next six years. Did your I, dad have the same talk with you? Yes. Exactly. And you didn't do it. What do you mean I didn't do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you go and get good grades and stuff? See, see that's my problem. <laughs> I got passing grades. Like I said, I'm a really good test taker. Yeah. So if I just do minimal study, I turn in the the assigned requ the required assignments, and I go in like I'll I can I can take open a book, read five chapters, take a test the next day, and get a solid B plus, maybe an A minus. I mean I'm I'm really good at retaining that stuff. I'm really good at putting it together. And in the meantime, the previous two weeks leading up to the test, I'm in I'm in class checking out the women. Yeah, party mode. If I'm party in class party. at all. You yep. know, it's it's kind of the only classes that I religiously attended were biology because I thought they were interesting. Yep. The rest of them, my attendance was at the sixty percent level. And I'm I'm the same way with you, man. Like I I dropped out of high school, so I've never been a good student. I don't know what it's like to be a good student. You know, I don't know what it's like to have good study habits. Um. So I went to college, but I went to I. You know what? I could not go to college right away. There's no freaking way. I could ever have done that. Um, and I get if my kids can't do that either. I get that now. Oh, yeah. Um, so I went to college. I was in my 30s. You know, but now I had responsibilities. I had a wife and three kids. And I had a kid in college. You know, and I was like, I was like, all right. But I, I was the same way. I didn't really crack my books open. I cracked them open enough just to learn what I needed to learn. And I just took some notes in class. And boom, passed the freaking test. Yeah. You know, and, I you know, it's like I tell my kids, like, hey, D's get degrees. Like nobody's going to sit there and go, Hey, give me your scholarship. You know, I need to see your grades, you know, um, cause They're they don't matter. Performing. You know, it's funny. So the, what is the, um, the Sylvester Stallone series that just came out mayor of Kingstown or something like that. TV series, but he's, he's talking to somebody and he goes, he goes, college isn't what you think. Goes, college is overrated. And he gives the, this, he's, talking to this kid and he goes, 
All they're looking for is the fact that you made a commitment for four years, you were giving a series of tasks that you completed, and an employer is going to look at that and say, okay, I have a reasonable expectation that this person is capable of showing up, doing a job, and it, that's what makes you more employable with a college degree than somebody who doesn't. Not to say that the person that doesn't isn't employable and won't be a good employee, sure. but that's what that's the value of the yeah. degree. Right. You know? Shows and, commitment. Uh, and I find that to be true. The stuff that I learned, man, I was all over the board. Aside from biology, I was, I was, you know, if, <laughs> I literally, my class, my course schedule was based around where the hottest girls were taking it. <laughs> you know? They were like, oh, you oh know. shit. Yeah. I, I think, I think you have to do a movie, man. I mean, like this is, I mean, like you the, just, I mean, even to this point, right. You could even just do it and do like a series movies. Like, you know what I mean? Just like how you grew up and then boom, go to college. And then it kind of fades away to you in a uniform walking away from college. You know what I'm mean? like? I can envision this yeah. as you're speaking. Like I said, man, you're a great storyteller, man. Pretty epic. Well, uh, yeah. That, that's my one reading. Otherwise my books, I don't think my books would be doing that well. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, man. So you went to college and actually we're going to take a break right now. Okay. If you have a heroic story, you'd like to share it, get in contact with us. Our information's in the bio. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe, like, and share. And then I'll see you on the next episode, badasses. Badasses.